Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. The last two weeks, we have been in Psalm 1 and 2, and we've seen what the blessed life is. And what's amazing is Psalm 32 is actually tied to Psalm 1. It talks about the blessed life. And uh, Derek has shared that it's, uh, you know, the Psalms is a way to navigate life, to worship God, to think like God. And as I've been just reading through the reading plan all week, one of the things that just pops out to me is the emotions and the reality of David's voice just hitting the deep parts of my heart to connect us to those songs, to what God has for us. So Psalm 32 is no different. In fact, it actually talks about when you're off the path, how you can begin to come back on the path of life. And the reality is we all need that, right? Whether we're hiding sin as Chase Schubert has shared or my story or Jeff's story, where we've been hiding for years or whether the daily reality of confession, which is a blessing to all of us, and is, a, is an act that Christians have done daily for centuries and shown us the great need of forgiveness. And so I don't know about you, but for me, we're all prone to wonder and to stray. And yet we get to walk out this story and hear what God has for us in forgiveness. I love the Bible because it's a bunch of stories of people, heroes of the faith, that have missed the mark and fallen short. I think of Peter or David, as we're going to talk about. Even the other day, I heard something. Paul is going to get to heaven and he is going to be welcomed with shouts from the martyrs and the people that he put to death. That's the way the kingdom of God works. That's the way the gospel works. And so broken people pointing to a perfect Christ. And Psalm 32 is no different. Real people in real situations. You heard me say my story. You heard Jeff talk about seven and a half years ago led to his freedom. For me, it was almost four years ago. And then Chase Schubert, two and a half years ago. And I remember the day that I confessed four years ago. I, uh, my wife, we had one kid at the time. Now we have three. I was having ministry success. I was the student director here at our church. And I even remember the season that I started to hide the moment when I made the decision to go to community and actually not share everything. And you want me to, or I just want to tell you that part of what my community group knew about me is that they would have told you I was the most authentic person in the room, which is scary when you think about it, because I was not actually sharing everything that was going on with me. And so I hid pornography and sexual sin while also leading and walking that out. And I was lying to myself with just, hey, they're not asking me, I'm talking to God, but I was experiencing none of the freedom that God had for me. My inner reality was completely different than my exterior. I was living a double life. And you'll hear more about how that begins to, to, I mean, Psalm 32 shows us how that begins to eat away at you. But I remember Jeff, the freedom day of confession, the day that brought began healing was when I finally confessed to another person And it was Jeff and it was my friend Andreas who's down here. And if you haven't read 2 Samuel 12, I'd encourage you. That's when Nathan calls out David. That's how we get Psalm 32. But I remember sitting and getting an email from Jeff a couple of weeks later. And in the middle of that email was the penitential Psalms and Psalm 32 was staring at me in the face. 
And I began daily to read it. And I began to see it start to change and bring healing to my life. And I believe it can do that for you today. And it will be a blessing to us because confession is a blessing. It's not a beat down. It is a gift that God has for us. And so let's get back on the path. If we're off the path, God shows us the way to get on the path. So we're gonna do it, Psalm 32. But before we dive in, just a little context on the passage. David was a shepherd. He was a giant slayer. He was a king. He was a songwriter. He was a man after God's own heart. But at the same time, he was also an adulterer, a schemer that got someone murdered. He was a notorious sinner in the midst of hiding sin. Like I just said, his friend Nathan called him out, which led him to write Psalm 51, which was tied to Psalm 32. And he begins to show us the way. And so today's an invitation for confession, blessing, healing, restoration. That's what's in store for us. So let's look at verse one. It says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. The first thing is a lot of us have some baggage with confession, whether we grew up at a different church or did confession a different way. I know that we have baggage with it, but confession here and what I'm talking about is just simply this, to embrace God's grace, to speak to him, to align and agree with him about the truth about your rebellion, your sin, and align yourself with the truth of God, that he brings forgiveness. Confession in the Hebrew says not only to confess, but it also means to give thanks. So it's not just something we're down about, like, ah, I gotta confess, but it is something that we get to get excited about what God is gonna do and bring blessing to it. And so it's an ongoing practice. God wants you to be blessed is what verse one and two says. Charles Spurgeon said it better than I ever could. It says the world, the word blessed is in the plural. Oh, the blessedness, the double joys, the bundles of happiness, the mountains of delight. Those who have been forgiven don't have deceit. They feel blessed. They feel fortunate. They feel loved by God. They're in his mercy. But who gets it? The forgiven one, the one that doesn't have deceit. And so we have, as people of God that are trying to follow him and come to his church, we have a deep need to be forgiven because we know we have all sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Look at what verse one and two does and it lays out for us. It says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, who, uh, whose iniquity, yeah, who he counts no iniquity against. Three things, transgression, sin, iniquity. We all have it. Transgression is just crossing a line. Sin is missing a mark. Think of an archery term where you miss. Iniquity is crookedness and distortion, deceit and hiding. And each of those lead us off the path of what God wants for us and what God intends for us. And so if God wants you to be blessed, my question for you is, do you know what it feels like to be forgiven? Because if you don't know that, you can't even begin to experience what God has. And look at what the answer is in verse one and two. To transgression, it says he's forgiven. To sin, you're covered, which just means the sacrificial blood. It's what Chase Schubert shared, First John one, his blood, Jesus's blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness does not count. That's a bookkeeping term. That's a financial term. It doesn't count against you like a receipt. You don't have to walk around with guilt and shame. And so what sin easily has entrapped you? 
What has held you? What has taken you off the path? Where have you not let the forgiveness of God meet you? I know for me, it's running to comfort or idols or pride or gluttony or selfish ambition. And even I want to show you a slide of just the hundred struggles that in region every week, people on Tuesday night that are broken, understand their brokenness. They come to get healing and look at all that. Just the sin, it's overwhelming. It's meant to be. And so have you understood up there your sin at the height of your sin that God meets you in that? Have you understood that the God of the universe loves you and knows you and sympathizes with you and he's the only one that can restore and forgive you? And so I've seen this picture floating around. Maybe you've seen it, but I just wanna show you this receipt. When you think of him, the bookkeeping term does not count against you. Just look at this receipt. And what it shows us, think of every sin that was on that screen, paid for, paid for, paid for, paid for, paid for, paid for, grand total zero. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the gospel. And I think a lot of times when I'm hearing these messages, I'm like, man, the gospel, okay, that's basic, man. Let's talk about something different. No, every day we need the gospel to meet us where we're at in the middle of our sin. And so if you understand that you've been forgiven, that your debt has been paid, and that God loves you, you will be blessed. That's a promise. And there's a deep need for followers of Jesus to uh, acknowledge the confession and see that the forgiveness is, is there and that there's blessing in it. But David shows us in verse three, let's look what he says, because it shows us the consequence and the warning that he lays out for us. It says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Those who hide their sin, what this is saying, those who hide their sin can expect pain. I lived it. You wanna hear the promise of the opposite side, the warning? You will experience pain. I experienced great physical, emotional, and spiritual pain. David's beginning to show us and unpack to us where he was a fool and did not listen and take God's word uh, seriously. He was convicted and ignored it. He stopped worrying about what was happening in his inner life and started protecting and doing everything he could to keep his sin hidden. It drained him physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, John Piper, I love this quote, said it like this, sin is the suicidal abandonment of joy. It's almost like saying, hey, you wanna be miserable. Do you wanna see life in black and white and not in color? Do you wanna miss out on the intimacy and the joy of the Lord? So what's hindering you? What is holding you back? What is the thing that you think when you're sitting with somebody? I meet with young adults and different people all the time. And a lot of times I hear phrases like this. No one has temptations like me. You don't understand. Man, I'm, I'm doing something that's uncontrollable. I cannot control it. No one else knows this about me. I haven't told anybody this before. And I don't really want to. I promise I'm never gonna do it again. I'm gonna white knuckle my way out. I got it, I got it, I got it. And I just want you to know, there's no sin that's gonna surprise us, guys. We are sinners. We're broken. And I would just say there's people that wanna walk with you and walk beside you. And even Chase Schubert, I got the privilege of walking with him only because I started to live out Psalm 32, just like Jeff got the opportunity with me. And so I wanna ask you, what temptation are you currently battling that you believe is unique to you. That's what the enemy loves to do. He loves to isolate us and make us believe lies and think that, ah, we're the only ones struggling with that one thing. 
And for me, I just didn't take God at his word. I just didn't do what James 5, 16 says. I just didn't do what verse five and six are gonna show us you need to do. And I believed if people really knew my sin, they wouldn't love me and I would have no place here. And the consequences that I would face would be too much. And so I hid and I lived a double life. And I would just tell you, life became great to me. It was a beat down. It was miserable. And at the end of that year, I was to a point where I thought, I don't even want to be here anymore, which is hard for me to even say. But, but sin ate at me, physical, emotional, spiritual pain, all of it, all of it. Verse three says, when I kept silent about my sin, there's internal pain, damage. My relationship with God was blocked. The worst part wasn't the physical stuff. It was actually the intimacy with God. God was not there because my sin had so much blocked him. He was in the sense that he was pursuing me and loving me and he, loved the, he disciplines the one he loves, which is what Chase shared earlier. But some of you are messing with it. You're walking with sin, you're coddling it. Your bones are decaying, you're groaning. And I know I had night terrors. I would wake up in the middle of the night during that year and I'll blame it on something else. I had moments of just feeling fatigued and tired. Verse four says, my energy, vitality, and strength drained away as the burning heat of summer. Guys, I don't even have to illustrate that one. Go outside for a minute. You know, it zaps you instantly. You're sweating. You're done. You're like, I got to go drink some cold water and take a nap. But think even more than the physical thing. Think about spiritually your soul shriveling up, zapped. And I share that to say, guys, this isn't a guilt trip. It's not trying to condemn you or trap you, but the scripture is warning us, if you will be in pain, if you hide your sin. And what did we say in verse one and two? God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be blessed. We say it all the time. God is not trying to rip you off. He is trying to set you free. Jesus even says in Luke 8, 17, for there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. So why hide? We're naked before God. Think of Genesis 3. The first thing they do is hide after sin enters the world. They cover themselves with a leaf and God's like, I see you. I play hide and seek with my kids all the time. I got little toddlers, twin, two and a half year olds. They love playing hide and seek. And I do too. So I count and I actually close my eyes so that they can run away. Most of the time I count to 10. And when I open my eyes, they're standing right in front of me. And literally Callie this week just had a piece of paper. <laughs> and she's like, if I cover my eyes, he can't see me. And I know we're laughing at that and it is cute and she's amazing. But the reality is that's kind of what we look like to God. It's like, hey, let me hold a piece of paper up to God. It's like, hey, I see you. What are you doing? I love you. I want you to be blessed. And the reality is we get most afraid of people horizontally than we are of our God. And I tell this to young adults and people I meet with all the time. What if God took every sin and just like that slide I threw up earlier, what if every one of those was your sin? The things you did, the moments you had, the transgressions, the iniquities, all that. You wouldn't want to show your face in here because we are afraid of people. We're afraid of what they would think of us. And what's incredibly uh, amazing is that your sin actually has already been displayed in public. You wanna know where? On the cross. That's what Christ did. He took every sin, past, present, and future, and paid for it on the cross. Think of Romans 5, 8, my favorite scripture. But God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, yet at the height of, 
on that projector screen, everything. He died for you because he loved you and he wanted to set you free and have a relationship with you. That's the gospel. We need it every day. And so maybe you don't have a big confession or something that you're hiding, or maybe you've lived out that already and you're just walking with Jesus and experiencing some of the freedom. I just want to stop and first say, way to go. Keep going. It's not just big things. It's daily walking with God and being a picture to others of forgiven people that, hey, we don't have it all together. That's the point. We are hypocrites. We need Jesus. And keep going, keep doing what God is already doing. I just wanna say, I'm encouraged by you. I see it all the time. It's what the New Testament showed us. But I also wanna warn you, David was 50 years old when the Bathsheba moment happened. He got caught up in a moment and then deceived, 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 hidden, hidden, hidden. And he ended up here and that's what he is showing us. So keep going, keep leading out in your community group. You feel like you're the only one sharing, keep doing it because it's bringing blessing. It's bring what God wants for your life. And so if we talk about the need for confession, well, how do we get to the way? Let me show you what scripture, he lays out the way of confession for us. As we run towards the hiding place in verse seven, it says, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgive, forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah, rest. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer a prayer to you at a time when you may be found surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. He modeled confession. Watch it. We're going to go verse by verse right there. Verse five, he first says, acknowledge your sin. He acknowledged his sin. He shared it. He didn't compartmentalize it. He stopped lying to himself. What's the first step of region that a lot of us, it's admit, admit, stop to admit, to be honest with yourself. I don't know about you, but no one deceives or swindles yourself more than yourself. Like I talk to me more than I talk to most people. What about you? And we, we can talk our ways out of things and we can convince ourselves of things. It's just saying, acknowledge reality. Look at your inner self. Forgiveness begins with honesty. And then it says, confess them to the Lord. It says, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Confess them to the Lord. Don't wait. That's what the Lord does. Be authentic. Confess the exact nature of your sin because you know that God had been tempted in every way and yet did not sin. And yet his cross, which we're coming to, gave us that opportunity to come to him and to bring everything to him. Don't hold back. And I would just say right here, David's failure to confess sin immediately, right away, cost him. Same with me. The night that I told you my first community group, the year leading in, when I decided, you know what? Not going to share that. Not going to share my struggles with pornography. Not going to share my lying or drinking or different things that started to happen over that year. I just decided to hide. And I would just tell you, confess in the Lord. Don't wait. And then verse five, remember his forgiveness on the cross. We've already covered it. Look at that receipt that we talked about. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We look to his forgiveness. That's why in the end of verse five, it says, you forgave the iniquity of my sin. That's Jesus. We know he came in the new covenant and did that for us. And then verse six, allow others to show you a picture of Christ and pray for you. It's saying, hey, if, how, how are people going to pray for you if they don't know what's going on? They can't. 
They can pray service level prayers. They can pray some things. But David's showing us automatically that he let others in and they began to pray for him. And I know we need that daily intervention. We've got to look inward. We've got to allow other people to walk with us. There's no Jesus and me isolation in the Christian faith. It has been Jesus and others always from the beginning. And so let others in. If you want to practice the discipline of confession and experience restoration, I would just say re-engage, regen, not just a program, but even just living it out, following that step to acknowledge, confess, remember, be prayed for. He's modeling for us what it looks like. You already heard James 5.16 from Chase Schubert, which just says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Pause. When someone confesses sin, Let's not just start with like, hey, do this and counsel this and be this. Stop, pray for them. Show them a picture of Christ. And then it says, and then you will be healed. For me, vertically with God, I was confessing, God, I'm sorry, I'm falling. I don't know why, I don't wanna fall. But nothing happened, no healing happened until I confessed to another person. So I would just encourage you to think about that. Acknowledge, confess, remember, be courageous. Be courageous. Courageous confession never loses its sense of urgency. We stay on it till the day we die. I love old books. I don't read them very often, but St. Augustine was from the 300s. And that dude had a crazy conversion, okay? His life before Christ, he lived with a prostitute. And after he's following God and he's walking with God and on his deathbed, it is said that he had someone write out Psalm 32. This was his favorite passage and put it above his bed and he would meditate on it until he died. He was connected to this because he knew that daily practice of Psalm 32, putting it in action was where life and blessing and following God was gonna happen. He knew he had a great need of that. And I think about my own life for me, sometimes I run to the TV to, for comfort or you know, it could be spending money secretly that your spouse doesn't know about. Or uh, for me, I've gotta confess when I have a device that is not restricted because I know my story with pornography and other things, I've gotta lock my devices up or I will run to it. And so what are the things for you? What are the things that you need to confess and bring into the light? The enemy is smart. He wants to come after you. In verse six, there is also a warning there too. It says that the surely in the rush of great waters, meaning judgment's coming, hide in Christ, allow others to protect you. And so I gotta daily confess, daily walk towards the Lord. When the people of God start to confess sin, You heard Jeff's story seven and a half years ago. It began to open up for me the reality that he was a safe place to go to. And his courageous confession led and planted a seed for me that began to, you know, obviously me to go to him when that moment came for me. And real deep confession of sin has been at the heart of revival forever. For the last 250 years, it's always around this confession idea. And I just want to say, we love to talk about revival on these big things, go to the stadium, go do this revival. What I want to make the case is that revival starts with right here, us confessing our sin, living upright, pure and holy in heart, giving ourselves to confess within our marriages, our kids learn, our coworkers begin to notice a difference in how we live out. And we are broken people pointing to a perfect Christ. And I love that in scripture in Ephesus, it even shows us in Acts 19, 18 through 20, Ephesus was a mess just like America. Listen to what they were doing. 
This is them taking Psalm 32, the scripture we're reading, and putting it into practice. It says, also, many of those who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. They were confessing. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Look, guys, because they confessed and divulged their practices, they also had to change their way of life. They literally burned the books that had brought them money and brought their life, but they repented and turned. And then at the end, the promise is God prevailed mightily. He began to move and work and increase. And so they began to get on the path. And that's what we have. And so the last verses, 7 through 11, are the joy of walking this thing out. The obedience to confession leads to the joy and the response to follow him, to hide in him. So look what verse seven says. You are the hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. We'll come back to verse nine. Verse 10 says, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one whose trust is in the Lord. Guys, this is laying out the secret and the joy of confession. It's the blessing of it. You heard the beginning and watch how it ends with the blessing of why this is worth living out. Because when we're healthy with Christ, when we have intimacy with Christ, we can love others and love God well. And doesn't that sound amazing? So what verse seven says is he's a hiding place. Well, what, how can God be a hiding place? What it means is you have a restored relationship with him. You can either hide in your sin or hide in God. You can hide in your idols or hide in God. And here's what it says. Listen to the promises. Verse seven, he protects and preserves me from trouble. Sounds amazing. He protects me. He preserves me. He surrounds me with shouts of deliverance. He delivers shouts over us of deliverance. God's making a way. Verse eight, he instructs us, he teaches us, he shows us the path. He will counsel you, he will lead you. His eye is on you. Think of Sauron, the, the terrible eye, but a good eye. That's, who, that's what he's doing. He's showing you that his eye is on you. And verse 10 says, steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. He's with you, he brings forgiveness. He is a good God. He is worth confessing and living in the light so that you can experience all that he has for you. He is the best relationship restored, closeness restored. You feel him, you can listen to him. William Wallace would say, freedom, right? You have freedom. So there's only two responses when you get to that. And it's either verse nine or it's verse 11. Verse nine says, be not like a horse or mule without understanding, which must be curbed by bit and brittle. Has anybody ridden a crazy horse before? I have. And I'll confess my pride because at Young Life Camp, I was like, I'm an expert horse rider, all right? Bad idea. I, I say I'm an expert horse rider. I ridden a horse like three times, okay? Get on this horse. And it didn't go anywhere I wanted it to go. It was biting other horses' feet. It was on the mountain path. I mean, just sprinting and I'm just holding on for dear life. It is not fun to be around a stubborn mule, to be around something that you can't control. And the reality is that my year of hiding, I was that stubborn mule. 
Maybe for you, you are being that stubborn mule. You are choosing to reject the blessing of confession. You're refusing to let God enter in. You're like, ah, it happened too long ago, Chase. I don't want to deal with that. Or it's been going on too long. There's no hope for me. And I would just say, beware that you are actually rejecting a warning of scripture. For my life, I hurt my wife. I hurt my family, my church. Our leadership had to go through great links. They had to email all the parents when I was the student director. I had to confess publicly in front of all our parents. It was the right thing to do. Spiritual leadership is costly. I brought it on myself. And there was freedom, but there was consequences to my sin. And I can tell you today, I'm thankful for the consequences of sin that I have because I have intimacy with the Lord. And I have his kindness, his joy. I remember when I was in that season, I was like, I'm never gonna laugh again. I I remember saying that to people. And just to see God begin to use Psalm 32 in my life and change my life, it, it, it's there. It's showing us, it's laying out the path. And so listen what verse 11 says. I sit down here every week and the worship that I get, to, when I'm worshiping and singing to God, the feeling of knowing that I don't have anything hidden is the greatest feeling. And I've seen it in so many people that confess and live in the light to watch them unashamedly worship our God. Look what it says. Be glad in the Lord. Rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. You receive the blessing of confession. Walk in the light, not darkness. Be glad because you've lived out this practice. Instead of hiding your sin, you're invited to hide in Christ. Well, what does that mean? It means hiding in his comfort, his protection, his goodness. It means hiding in the comfort of his wing or behind a rock that's higher than us because he is our shelter. He is our strength. To hide in him brings goodness over our temptation, his strength instead of our weakness. So why would we choose to hide instead of hiding in him, hide away from him or hide in him? And so I'll just end with this. David shows us, this this passage shows us that the only response when you finally get that, the daily confession and walking in freedom, understanding that we need the gospel every day is to rightly respond with worship and to sing with joy and a lightness. I told you, I sit with people that have walked through this, even in the last week, had three conversations. And a lot of times those conversations start to go as they live this thing out. And I hear them a week later, like, I've never felt this light before. I've never, man, the fog is lifting. Like I don't see life in black and white anymore. I see like things are starting to happen and it's a blessing to them. And so don't miss it. David shows us he finished well. Here's the three things as we begin to do something different than we've, we've really done here at the end of church is we're gonna take communion together, but we're gonna reflect and look inward and see if there's any grievous way in us and to check our hearts and go, Lord, was there anything you need me to do and reveal and stop? Because David, David modeled it. He made time. The first thing is he made time for interior examination. He looked inward. We're gonna give you time to do that, to sit in your seat and to think, hey, Lord, is there anything that needs to be revealed? The second thing he did is he saw confession as a blessing rather than a beating. I think a lot of times we go to community group for members that are here and we kind of go and we're like, oh gosh, I got to answer, feed my flesh and okay, I'm going to confess and then I'm going to get counseled and do all these things. Guys, do you understand if we confess and we live out this, it should actually spark joy and excitement like, dude, God is at work. Thank you for sharing that. You're forgiven. 
Let's go. God is working in your life. I see it. And we should leave with our heads held high, not, ah, I got beat down tonight. I don't want to go back to community and do feed my flesh again. Please, anything. No, look. It's a con- he saw his confession as a blessing rather than a beating because he understood the gospel. And then the last thing is he had courage to face himself and take his next faithful step. What is your next faithful step? David had to face some of his consequences, but he walked this life out as a man after God's own heart. And I would just say for you, what is your next faithful step? Maybe it's going to Regen. Maybe it's confessing today at the end of service and coming up front and sharing. Maybe for you, you've never even understood Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you just need to acknowledge and confess that he is worth following. And the gospel can change your life. More joy, less scars. That's the path and the life of confession. So let me pray for us. And then we are going to worship and we're going to tell you what we're going to do with communion. But guys, it is worth it. Verse 1 through 11, showing you where we can have life and life to the full. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.